welcome to Sugar Free TV. We are so excited for today's episode and we have got a fantastic uh, guest with us today when we're going to be discussing and blurring the lid on everything to do with sugar, our health, uh, diet, nutrition, and we are so excited. Welcome to Sweet Liberation, living the sweet life without sugar. Join us as we explore a world of sweetness beyond sugar where health meets flavor. I'm Nabila Files Gutierrez. And I'm Luke Goddard. We're on a mission to break free from the sugar trap and show you how sweet life can be. Uncover science, stories, and secrets for a rewarding sugar-free lifestyle. Meet experts and entrepreneurs who've embraced sweet liberation. Discover benefits, success stories, and wellness while chasing dreams. Embrace sweet liberation. Let's begin. To have with us today, Mike Collin, uh, sugar-free man. Yep. Hi, Mike. <laughs> Joining us at the beginning of your day and at the end of ours, different time zones, but we're going to have a great conversation today. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Appreciate it. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming. Um, so, yeah, we want to really discuss with you um, like the, the ideas and the foundation of sugar-free man and your everything to do with with what's going on with the world with sugar there are, there is a catastrophe in our midst what do you think about that absolutely we are uh i believe on the right side of history in a monumental evolutionary change that's about to take place over the next 20 or 30 years and very akin to the smoking and the seat belts and the you know condoms in bathrooms Societal changes that are brought about by science first when something that we evolved into by doesn't matter why or how that when science says we need to change that we need to change, you know, and I know that changing societal norms like that takes time. And now the sugar, the sugar, I don't know what you want to call it, the question of sugar, the uh, the situation, whatever you want to call it, as is coming to the forefront simply because the science says it's very damaging, especially to young children, but absolutely to adults as well, especially in the, um, the amount that it's being uh, used today. I, I, you know, I think the logical construct or evolution of this is going to be into like alcohol or drugs, is going to be an adult treat in 20 or 30 years, and um, and that children will not be uh, exposed to it like they're not exposed to alcohol or coffee or whatever. Uh, so anyway, it's a, it's a big switch, a big change, and you are pioneers. I've been a pioneer, and uh, and there's there's a lot of work to do, put it that way. Yeah. Whereabouts? I was going to ask. I mean, I'm really keen. Where did the story start for you? Well, it started a generation back. Uh, uh, My grandmother died when my mother was only eight years old. I obviously never met her, but when she died, she was the youngest by a little, quite a bit. And uh, my grandfather had to move in with his sister, so her aunt, my great aunt, and. They owned a country store across the way, and any time then my grandfather made a deal with my cousin Jim, or his cousin Jim, that any time my mom walked into that store, that she could have uh, anything she wanted in the candy thing, uh, and just put it on his tab. So here she is, eight years old, wonderful thing for a father to do, but what it instilled in her is that sugar is love. And this, I think, is the main problem. In a lot of families, and definitely in our family, where I grew up, covered up with sugar. And so my mother, you know, became a sugar junkie, basically, and my favorite sugar junkie, but nonetheless, she was, you know, addicted to sugar, and she really couldn't stop. I mean, I believe she didn't die of Alzheimer's. I believe she died of sugar addiction. I was there, and uh, the sugar... Like at the end, when there's no filter in the brain, no mind left, um, all she wanted to eat was sugar. That she, you know, her organism, if you will, whatever way you want to put it, only wanted to eat sugar. And we grew up that way. We, you know, 
we had unfettered access to the sugar bowl. We could put as much, she, like she didn't even say no, stop, less, don't do it. As much sugar as we wanted on the, the Cheerios or the cornflakes or whatever. And, and you know, three times the Kool-Aid. It was amazing, really. It was crazy. And candy and cookies and, you know, because she was having them, right? She was having them. And so that I ran into beer and alcohol and stuff at 14 or 15. And I didn't realize in the early days that sugar was changing how I felt and changing my emotional state. Um, it made me feel a little bit better for a little bit of time, right? And this is what all of our work and research has proven. And about, this is another story, another lifetime really, but 28 years old, I got sober and I literally went right back to sugar. As a few of my, you know, a lot of the people in our groups now, it's the fastest growing segment of our group, which is recovering alcoholics and drug addicts who have been sober, quote unquote, for five or 10 years, but can't stop using sugar. And they show up at our doorstep wanting to, you know, gain weight, they're getting type 2 diabetes, blah, 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 you know what I mean? And so um, I kind of went on and had a life, a regular life business career. My kids, I raised two sugar-free kids. I read a book called Sugar Blues, like by William Duffy, who was married to Gloria Swanson, the famous movie star. It was kind of a wild story. But anyway, they... Uh, popularized that book in the 1980s, 70, late 70s, early 80s. And I read it, and I don't know, it's just like, I don't know, God or somebody put it in my head that this was a good thing, and I raised sugar-free kids and went on to have a life and a career. And the kids said I should write a book, and uh, I did in 2018, I think it was, and it was on Amazon. And bought sugaraddiction.com in 2000 and, uh, yeah, like nine or something like that, I don't know. And I, I put a little site up and put out good information, but nothing really happened. I mean, a few people kind of got good information or whatever, but it wasn't about five or six years ago where I started coaching online and growing what I believe the secret sauce to this change is, which is groups and, and community and peer recovery stuff. I poured it over a lot of this, the, um, um, the concepts in drug and alcohol recovery into sugar addiction which has not yet been done because people had this $78 billion diet industry, then they were brainwashed into eat less, exercise more. It was just kind of the dumbest mantra. And people still come to us that way. But at the end of the day, you know, sugar abstinence is the thing that, you know, helps weight loss and health. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's been, you know, the other one is harm reduction, which I think the category you guys would fall in with your product is like any amount of less sugar is going to help. Now, you may not go all the way to some of our folks or you may not be a sugar addict, quote unquote. You may be able to use sugar moderately, but you at least have to, you know, kind of wake up to the idea that this may be harmful. So. That's the short version. It usually brings up more questions than it answers. Oh, so many questions. Thank you so much for that. I mean, how amazing that you've managed to bring up sugar-free kids. And how old are your children now? My boys are 32 years old now. Uh, uh, congratulations on that. And like, like rocket scientists smart, like crazy. If I told you the story, it's really kind of hard to believe where their life is today. And, you know, in my heart and now in the research, but in my heart, even back then, I knew there's actually a huge nonprofit now out there uh, dealing in that first thousand days that that from conception to two or three years old. Right. And their brain develops. I was just looking at the statistics for a, a thing I'm writing today. It's uh, their brain go, grows from 25 percent to age one or two to 80% of the adult size. Yeah, by two, it's like 80% of the adult size. Think of the rest of your body. Your brain is at 80% and you're only two, you're not even two years old, right? And it's like the neurons, there's 2,500, I'm trying to get these numbers right, 2,500 synapses when they're born. And by the time they're one or two, there's 15,000 synapses. So in each neuron, so the growth in that period of time, mentally, cognitive, 
of performance. And this is where I believe that we never had, my kids never had sugar in the womb or till they were six years old. It just developed their brain better, right? And I think once this information is widespread, then the whole world changes because you know as well as I, if a mom, if somebody finds out they're pregnant, that day, I'm not talking about in a week or two, that day they're able to quit cigarettes, they'll walk out of the doctor's office, throw them in the garbage, or even if they have a substance use disorder, drinking, drugging, they'll quit that day. Like something that was hard to quit before, they're able to quit because why? They're pregnant. And so eventually uh, with you know a little luck and a lot of science and a lot of podcasts like this, that that message will get uh, out to child, you know, parents of childbearing age children, and and the preparation for uh, pregnancy will be different, and the actual uh, diet of uh, pregnant moms and and early childhood stuff will be very very different. So that is one of my passions. We just finished our sugar as we record this our sugar free kids summit, uh, which we'll have annually at least. So. Yeah, no, it's a it's a big topic. It's a and it's complex simply because, look, I don't have anything against the sugar producers or an evolution that took two or three hundred years, where this product became, uh, you know, a rite of passage for childhood. And it's just did. It's it is. That's what it is. But you know, they used to have doctors advertising cigarettes on television. You know, it. it Things change when science says, and science says this. So, anyway. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can agree more. And the, I think the crisis that we're in across the world, and particularly in developed countries, where we have such an obesity crisis with children, and when you look at the amount of sugary foods, every, it's impossible to get away from them. I mean, they're just everywhere. And they, they, we are surrounded by addictive food substances. And then then we have an industry that blames us for eating that food. So then we've got this kind of toxic cycle of, you know, purge and then deprivation. And it's just a constant, really toxic psychological cycle that's harming people as well as, you know, yeah. that the sugar is doing. So so tell us a little bit about um, about your project and how do you see that panning out? How many people have you helped? I mean, we are fascinated by your work. Well, I mean, we've got a Facebook group, two Facebook groups that total about 25,000. Uh, you know, we've got in excess of 100,000 people on our email list. We, we've done uh, tens of thousands of sugar detoxes via the book on Amazon, which is now free. If you go to sugaraddiction.com, you can get it free. Um, you know, you can go to Amazon and get a hard copy, but um, the digital version is free. And so, you know, uh, I mean, we've got, you know, good social media. There's just a lot of uh, attention around it, basically, because we've been slogging at this for long <laughs> time. Or five years. Yeah. And, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's getting pretty, you know, the summits that we do, we've done 10 quit sugar summits. Those things are, you know, we've literally coalesced all of the experts into one place twice a year for, uh, you know, education purposes. And it's just getting, it's getting to be really popular. Uh, everybody comes back, the, the real educators, the Dr. Lustigs and such, you know, they all keep coming back to our event because they have to get their, they want to help get their, us to help them. We're kind of the media version of, of the sugar group, if you will. Yeah. Um, in, in the ecosystem, that's kind of where we fall. But we also do training. We've got, um, you know, three meetings every single day of the week uh, in our challenge. Uh, we've got, you know, 14 coaches for one-on-one -on -one coaching. It's a pretty, you know, getting to be a bigger deal now. And it's really, all, it, it's, on, it's the demand. It's, you know, and the demand's funny because, <laughs> this is funny. Like, but this is a product people need, but they don't want. Like, they want cute clothes and golf clubs, but... They don't want to sign up for 30 days of pain and agony. So the getting the message out, because once people see the inside of the system, they actually kind of pay attention and get a little bit of abstinence or reduction in 30, 60, or 90 days. They never want to go back. Mm 
their brain clarity's there, their weight loss is there. They really start to see po their skin clears up. They start to see real positive results. And so then, you know, they're, we got them for life basically. And that's kind of the goal. But that beginning of the awareness is hard because they don't want to be different. They don't want to, do I have to do this for the rest of my life is the question they ask themselves. Like, do I have to never have sugar? Blah, 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 you know? So anyway, it's uh, it's been an interesting puzzle, if you will, to try and get the awareness raised. So these things help this kinds of podcast you're trying to work that you guys are doing. So yeah, I mean, we we very much see ourselves in that in that space. But um, but for me, um, I mean, my my sugar free journey, um, and I would say I'm predominantly sugar free, and I'm very aware of, of of the sugar around. So even when I do have a small amount here and there, I'm very aware how long my body takes to clear that out and mm -hmm. what I need to do in the days following it. So there is a consequence of the body. It kind of needs to flush out. Right. It's, it's not an instant get get clear of it at all. Um, but but uh, one of the things that was very difficult for me and what we're trying to address in our business is, is, is essentially is the culture around eating of families. So um, for me, it was like, I need cake in my life. <laughs> that was a really difficult one. So actually, you know, without out alone in that. So. I mean, I mean, you know, birthdays. You know, I can't have a salad birthday. I need a cake for my birthday. This kind of thing. So we have actually, you know, we've got a product that we are able to 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 switch sugar out for, uh, which is healthy, natural, organic, and plant based. But but aside from that, I think when there's a culture around sugar and sweet foods, they so it's entrenched in culture all celebrations i mean you, is there a celebration in the world other than perhaps in your in your household is there a celebration in the world where they don't have sweet food so it, it's so in the so how do you address that with your with your community with the community yeah what well, in terms of how what is the advice that you're giving people when they are so surrounded by this the culture and the, the event the, the the answer is the community. The answer is the peer, the new peer group that you form. Like people have done hard things in their life. They've birthed children. They've got advanced degrees. They've got advanced uh, athletic performances. But in order to get advanced degrees and advanced athletic performances or advanced career performances, they likely had to join another tribe outside their family of origin. Uh, and we are tribe animals and we like to do things together. It's just a fact. Okay. And it's now very peer reviewed study stuff. It's very, very understood that people like to do it. So if, because we are, as you're describing outliers, there's not very many of us yet. We have to belong to these new tribe, this new tribe, this new group. And it's really, we call it our secret sauce because it's really the actual solution. Yeah, look, I give great information, up-to-date science. I'm always interviewing the science scientists, but you can go to Google for that. Yeah, I have people show up that are so brilliant, doctors, lawyers, uh, gym owners, therapists, uh, weight loss clinic owners. It goes, the list goes on and on and on. These people are so knowledgeable about food and macros and nutrition and dietitians. We have a bunch of dietitians. Diet, they know all of this stuff, but they all know it from an old paradigm. And that paradigm is eat less, exercise more, and that quitting the white stuff is how you lose weight or, or get healthy, right? Problem is, like the recovering alcoholics and people in the group and all the doc, new doctors and lawyers and everybody, brilliant people, they've been brainwashed by the $70 billion sugar industry, and they all can't get off sugar. I just recently spoke at KetoCon, and I tell this story of clients. It's kind of an, amal an amalgam of a lot of my clients, right? But guy lost 100 pounds on a keto. 100 pounds, right? Still had 60 left to go. But he was unable to do the 60. Why? And this is going on a year, plateaued a year, um, because he couldn't quit the sugar. He couldn't stop using sugar sporadically or as it would build up, right? And so 
the more the main message of our recovery platform, main message of that takes about the arc of a podcast. So thank you for having me. Is that the problem is that sugar is powerful enough to change the way that you feel. Okay. It's a very common construct in the world of alcohol and drugs that if you stop using, I started using drugs and alcohol, uh, drugs and alcohol at 14 or 15, you stop growing emotionally, right? And the thing that is less known is from a recovering food or sugar and or sugar addict, okay? That person had to go through that same process, like they were learning how to walk again, right? And so we have to like gently move people from a brainwash culture of you know you know stop using the white stuff and exercise over to paying attention to how sugar makes them feel right and that it has been suppressing old trauma things that never got so solved and new stress and life problems okay and so until they realize this, well, first of all, when they go through the process, the common refrain is, Mike, I'm losing my mind. Because now, here they are, bare to the world, no crutch to you know, ingest at night or any time, and they, and they just start to get feeling strange. And like, it's like the whole world is attacking them at the same time because A, they're in physical withdrawals, and B, their emotions are in in flux, in chaos, right? And so once people kind of grasp this by realizing that there's people in the groups that have gone through this before them and can walk them out of it, if they're alone and not in, what they're going to say is, I got a meeting, I got a job, I got kids, and I can't have this kind of emotional, physical upset going on right now. And they fall back to that ingestation, which will stop it in its tracks. And you'll be able to go on with your meeting or your kids. And so once this thing clicks, that little paradigm clicks, everything changes and people move forward. And yes, they've got to go through some stuff. I'm not going to, I got to think of a better name. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They got to go through some stuff. But once they get to the other side, Life is much different. A, the physical cravings are gone. B, the emotional work is still persisting a little bit. You've got to do it, but it's calmer. It's easier than the first 30, 60, or 90 days where it's kind of chaotic. And I hope that you know explanation lands with people. And if you want to re-listen to any part of this podcast, go back and listen to that little explanation because that is the crux of the sugar addiction epidemic that we have in this world. And it's the inability and the, the stigmatization of the word addiction and the recovery from addiction, right? You know, the new terms for, for addiction is substance use disorder and sugar is definitely a substance use disorder. It's not a diet problem, it's not a food problem, it's not an eating problem, it's a substance use disorder, okay? And we call it, we need, you need to learn how to generate what we call dopamine, effort-based dopamine versus substance-based dopamine. Now, look, when I say dopamine, I mean all of the brain reward chemicals, serotonin, norepinephrine, GABA, uh, the cannabinoid receptors, oxytocin, the big bonding chemical. All of these things are affected by sugar. Something that evolved for 10 million years at least solidly the last million or two years, to find food and sex has been hacked by a substance, a processed substance, by sitting on the couch. And until you understand this construct, you will suffer trying to go diet, diet, back and forth, exercise, quit for a week. It'll just keep going back and forth until you grasp, not only grasp it, but accept it and destigmatize it and don't worry about that. You're not an addict. You're not a guy with a brown paper bag under a bridge. You are biochemically, possibly. Now, not everyone is like this. Some of our harmful users. Biochemically addicted to a substance 
that has been changing the way that you feel since you were in the womb. And it's very difficult to, with the knowledge, the, what is commonly broad knowledge, without this kind of specified knowledge and work, you're not going to get out of this issue. Neither is the planet, okay? So you can look at it macro or micro. You are personally, and this planet isn't going to get out of it until A, they accept this paradigm, right? I don't mean to take hijack your podcast or, but this, these oh, are the, this is the message that needs to be driven home over and over and over. You know, we have it in the quote unquote drug and alcohol world, but the, um, you know, the overdose rate is past 100,000 in the United States. It's not being accepted because of the stigmatization of addiction. And unless this, unless this is broken, and the only way it can be broken, I believe, is that we start with what, is a, what appears to be an innocuous thing, which is sugar. And it's the furthest thing in the thousands of t written testimonials, the thousands of success stories that we have, this paradigm is what they finally accepted. And great, not gracefully, they fought us all the time, you know. At the end of my 30-day sugar detox, I say on day 29 and 30, I say, hello, I tricked you. It is not a diet. This is a, this is a lifestyle of recovery from abuse of a substance, okay? Yeah. Again, I don't mean to, you know, get on my high horse. Or, 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 <laughs> yeah. But it's so true. It's so true. I think the thing that I also strongly object to is it's a, one of these perpetuating cycles with it as well. Being that you know one of the things that uh, and you know you were talking about the sugar and having access to sugar. I was the same in the seventies. You know I didn't spoon sugar onto my cornflakes. I just picked up the sugar bowl and just sprinkled it on. Because, <laughs> you know, and I flooded it. I think I might have done that too. That's good. Yeah. I've you you do that and you put it on. And then what happens is you get a lot of crystals in the bottom and then you're drinking this sugary milk as well. So Exactly. You're scraping it up from the bottom. Yeah. yeah. Left that part out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Exactly. And 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 then I really re regret is that nobody told us about the damage and for me, uh dental work then followed that. And that was really traumatic for me as a child. And so these yeah. are the things, and, and I see parents feeding their children sugar because they're addicted to sugar. And that's what I meant about the perpetuating cycle that I find really interesting, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, oh, exactly. Sure. Yeah, I used to put white sugar on a slice of white bread with butter. <laughs> Look, I did the exact same thing. There is a there is a great there's a great YouTube video. You can look it up, Eric Clapton. With yeah. Ed Bradley of 60 Minutes talking about eating bread and butter and sugar sandwiches. Great. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's great. He's like, Love Ed not. Bradley of 60 Minutes asks Eric Clapton, so Eric, this addiction, they're sitting in his $7 million at Antigua Treatment Center where he's trying to help people. And Ed Bradley goes, so Eric, this, uh, this addiction thing started with heroin. He goes, no, Ed, it started with sugar. Yeah. This freaking... Eric Clapton, you know, who's been sober, whatever, 25 years now, runs a treatment center to help people, knows in his heart that his addiction started with his bread and butter and sugar sandwiches and sugar. It's, and we are giving this to our children as treats, you know, in a, it, we, we feel in a benign way. We are, you know, we, with love in our hearts, we're not doing it to harm children. And we are, you know, we, we are laden the birthday parties, celebrations, treats, sugar, 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 sugar. And, you know, it's it's almost like expecting uh, somebody who's addicted to crack cocaine to go back into the crack den. But yeah. the we are surrounded by sugar, sugary food everywhere. And it is just so difficult to get away from it. <laughs> so... Uh so what is it? So so tell, talk to us about nutrition now. So I know that what you are talking about is not diet. This is not diet. This is the lifestyle change because we were we're addicted to the stuff, to the white stuff. So, but what sort of dietary changes do you advocate for people to make, or is that completely down to them once they abstain from sugar? What do you see as the kind of optimal diet and nutrition for people? Now this is a common question. So when someone shows up at my doorstep, usually it's for weight loss, but not always, but usually. 
Mm. And what they want to know is what do I eat mm. and and what's my exercise plan? That's cause, because of the brainwashing, right? The, the diet industry's brainwashing. And the answer is that it's interesting because we have worked with all the way from raw food vegans all the way to carnivores, okay? And everyone in between, that spectrum of you know ways of eating, they call it, W-O-E, I believe, you know, ways of eating. And in the early days, I did not want to name a diet. My first oh, coach was a vegetarian. She did very well. And I didn't want to name a diet. I didn't want to say, this is what you eat, because... A, from what I just described on my little uh, rant there, is that it's not about the food, okay? And I, and I do want to stress this. It's not about the food. Now, over the years, there's a few contemporaries of mine that won't work with vegetarians. I'm actually a recovering vegetarian. And it's like, I do believe that you need healthy fats and you need animal products. But one of the most famous uh, raw food vegans who I've interviewed several times and I've been to his center, uh, his, his, uh, it was in Arizona, but he, he's retired to Israel now, but he's 80 years old and he can do 1,500 push-ups in a row at 80, okay? And he's sharp as a tack. And he basically eats a raw food vegan keto diet. He only eats greens and... Uh, uh, avocados and olives, right? And you can also do 500 push-ups in a row or 500 sit-ups in a row and 100 wow. pull-ups. So he's, he's an amazing human specimen and that's his diet, right? And I asked him, Gabriel, do you eat how many calories? He says, Mike, I don't eat for calories. I eat for energy. Now, go all the way to the other end of the spectrum, Sean Baker, who is a carnivore and kind of the de facto leader of the carnivore movement and wrote the book and everything. He eats basically only ribeye steaks or a little bit of this and a little bit of eggs or whatever. But, And he's also a world-class athlete at 55 and holds a couple world records and different things and, and a physical specimen, you know, right? And here's what I believe, that anywhere in that spectrum will work, but I believe in the long run that the vegetarian diet carries too much fructose, okay? meaning too much fruit and too much nuts and too much grains because that's going to affect your blood sugar and the fructose part of it. I always tell people, if you want to get off sugar, uh, study fructose. Fructose, the, for your folks, is half the sugar molecule is half fructose and half glucose, right? But And we all know what the glucose half of the molecule has done to our bodies over decades. It's the weight gain and the obesity and the Type uh, 2 diabetes and heart disease and every other thing you can imagine, you know, hundreds of little maladies that are tied to the elevated blood sugar. What is less understood is the effect of fructose, which many, most nuts and nut butters have, all fruits and fruit juices have, is the is that fructose acts on the brain, the nucleus accumbens, right, and the brain reward chemicals that we spoke of earlier. And what happens is they, um, it truly, and I've asked the biggest of the big on the summits, the doctors and the scientists, is fructose a psychoactive drug? And they both all said yes. So now my background, addiction recovery, my website, Sugar Addiction, this addiction part of it comes flying into the picture. And this happened about three or four years ago as I started to, you know, converge with all these scientists over the years that... In essence, the people can do the diet, whatever the diet is, whatever the food is, but they're always, it doesn't matter how many times I explain this, they still want to know, well, what do I eat here? What do I, you know, I can't break them of this cycle, right? And so, but the, the bottom line is, is they have to stop ingesting the psychoactive drug for a time. And look, here's the pushback I get all the time. What a fruit is healthy. I'm like, look, the sugar molecule or the fructose molecule in fruit is the exact same molecule as it is in table sugar. There's no difference in the molecule. It can only be processed in the liver, okay? Now, a little bit of processing possibly in the intestines if you're athletic, 
But the bottom line is most of it is processed in the liver. It causes fatty liver. It turns to fat immediately. It's caused an epidemic of fatty liver in children. This is an alcoholic's disease. And fructose is the future of understanding why you can't quit. Okay. And again, the fruit thing is an evolutionary misstep in that when back in the day, we would get these nasty little crab apples or nasty little berries. That's how much fructose we got once a year. That's it. Maybe a little if you wanted to get stung by a bee, the honey, right? That's it. Once a year, you got this stuff. And it just now is a 24-7 drip all over the world with these giant fructose bombs. Forget about fruit juice and dried fruits. Fruit juice hits the liver just like Coke, Coca-Cola. It just is the same thing, okay? It, it's just such veracity, it hits the liver. Dried fruit is all is li literally just candy, okay? It's just concentrated fructose. And if people would make this delineation, this separation between fructose and glucose, they'd save their body, but most of all, they'd be able to master the lifestyle emotions changes that help them reduce or eliminate sugar from their life, okay? And so, again, another hijack of your beautiful podcast, but these are important constructs that take the entire arc of a podcast for me to deliver the message because they are combined with brain and body and, and you know, it just takes some time. And look, it's so funny because I heard this a hundred times. They said, Mike, I've heard you say that stuff like 20 times and it never registered until today. And I heard you say it again and then I'm like, because they'd been trying back and forth. They'd been trying. They're like, getting on the groups and saying, what do I eat? What do I eat? What do I eat? What do I eat? And then all of a sudden they realized it's not about what I eat. It's about how much fructose is hitting my nucleus accumbens, right? And then the peace begins or, well, let me put it to you this way. Not quite the peace right away. <laughs> it, you know, 30 days of ups and downs or 60 days of ups and downs, then the peace hits, okay? So anyway, it's, uh, it's a fascinating a whole like topic that is, devoid in the general information in the world. It's like empty calories. My newest book is about the death of empty calories because people think about empty calories like, ah, no harm, no foul. I can have an empty calorie. It won't hurt me. I'm not great, but it won't hurt me. This like <laughs> Richard, what's his name? Um, what's his name? I forget his name. Um, George Carlin does the football baseball thing, you know, sugars not too uh, empty calories no big deal when in reality those quote-unquote empty calories are really affecting your brain so much so yeah it's a it's a fun topic it, it, i don't know how i was gifted or given the uh the fascination with the puzzle but i am so there you go i mean that's so fascinating i think one of the things that i found in my journey i don't know about you luke but um the, the less you eat the sugar the more your body tells you what you need to eat in a mm. natural way. And as long as the craving isn't for sugar, what your body's asking for, it might be asking for some something fatty or something, uh, some greens. It will be telling you, it will be giving you quite good guidance once the sugar is removed from the carrot. It's an amazing thing that I no, you're hitting it right. Like again, I, there's no way that I can deliver all of the information in in a you know 40 or 50 minute thing. But what you just said is so 110% correct that no one gets it. Like they don't realize your body. You ever hear this thing? Worst in, first out kind of thing. Worst in, first out means the reason people at the type two diabetics. Uh, are peeing all the time is because the body is working so hard to get the sugar out, it doesn't have time, A, to detox anything else or even pay attention to what you're describing, which is the nutrition it needs. And we are really close to the animals of the world in you know makeup and whatever, and our body will tell us what we crave. We don't have any construct of what we're really craving because we're only craving sugar to hurt, hit our nucleus accumbens because it gives us a little 
feel-good boost, right? And the bottom line is your body will start to crave a little healthy fat. So like, well, I've, I've got to have a little avocado or I've got to have a whatever, a, a, a ribeye steak or something that's salmon, something that's fatty, right? Um, after and only after you're detoxed and peaceful with the, sh- the uh, food that you're eating currently, the healthy whole food. Everybody's got to eat whole food, real food that doesn't come from a bag or box of can, uh, 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 whatever. It's got to it's got to be real food, and that real food will get is. Ever hear this thing? I really like this actually. That food is information for the body, and 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 that it gives you that information. Sugar is not information. It's a drug, and it's, it's affecting it's something very, very harshly that was set up to get us food and sex, to procreate the species. That's what dopamine, serotonin, that's what all of these brain reward chemicals were evolved for. And now we can hack it by sitting on the couch and give us this good feeling, like we just had sex or we just had food, but we didn't have either, right? And so here we are, like, deep in an epidemic, a pandemic of everyone in the world and the ascension of the people that have the money are the people who have proffered this. It's very easy to grow empires. Obviously, the British Empire was grown on the backs of sugar uh, and slavery. And the empires that are now the food producers. Very, you know, the ascension, we saw it in our lifetime, the ascension of the Starbucks-type properties. And, uh, uh, you know, it's very easy to grow an empire and to grow something on an addictive like El Chapo or mm-hmm. easy to grow something big on an addictive process, right? Yeah, absolutely. Less like hard, less easy to grow it on like treatment centers. I'd have to do this. You just brought up something very interesting. I'm going to look this up in a minute here. It's the, the total value of drug treatment centers revenue versus sugar <laughs> coffee. You know what I mean? The enterprise is, uh, what I'm getting at is the enterprise is a lot easier to grow when it's addictive, you know. Say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things, I'm a, I'm a healthcare professional by background. I'm a midwife. And actually, one of the things that was fascinating is when I had my my youngest, who's now eight, and um, I was breastfeeding her, and I was like, I'm hungry all the time, hungry all the time. Because I'm aware, obviously, of what was going on with my body, and I've done sort of various times in my life gone sugar-free, and this is the longest period, and I'm so grateful for it. My health has just been because of it. Never look back. But um, but what actually my body was saying, eat, and I was then going for the biscuits or the, the biscuits in the UK, you know, the cookies, all that stuff. And actually, what it was is that my body was um, was needing was was uh, deficient in some micronutrients. And what I realized was actually I would tap. Well, what can I have this as quick as the cookie? You know, again, I was I was very busy with a with a baby breastfeeding all day long. So I would make myself. I thought, what can I? How can I get this nutrition? All the nutrition I can get in one hit, so that my then I'm not turning for the food. So I kind of had already worked out. My brain was just saying, "You're hungry," but it wasn't that. I needed more calories is that I needed micronutrients. So I thought, okay, let me see. So I made um, this kind of smoothie packed with uh, mainly vegetables, actually, uh, things like avocados and greens and spinach and broccoli and then a few nuts and a little bit of cacao. And I, I can't remember what I might have used, maybe banana or something like that. So very few fruit and lots of greens and some seeds. And I put some seeds in there. I zoomed it out and I drank this. Uh, and my cravings stopped immediately. My brain had received the nutrition it needed, no mm-hmm. more things. And I had I hadn't, you know, pumped myself up with sugar with any too much fruit. I just had like one fruit in there. The rest was green. So the GI and a bit of coconut oil, something like that. The GI was very low. And it completely stopped my grace. So my body was asking me for more, but it wasn't asked. It didn't need more sugar. If I'd had more sugar, it was insatiable. I needed more and more and more and more. It was a not. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. hundred percent. Like one of the things that, you know, you're, you keep bringing up great nuances of this, my program and, and, and my, and the experience, you know, genius only pattern recognition. I've been blessed to see the patterns of people coming off and changing and transitioning. Right. And so what happens is that, Hunger, as we know it today, is very different on the other side of sugar freedom. In other words, like 
this idea of a growling stomach or hungry or this vapid emptiness in your stomach goes away completely. That's not how the human body experiences hunger. It's truly a, a, a substance use withdrawal symptom where your body is trying to get you to ingest again, right? And I will throw a little warning for your folks is that the reducing stuff to smoothies, even if there's little fruit in, like even kale and those have some fructose in them and nuts, um, it is going to hit the liver pretty hard with the fructose. So yes. try and use whole foods. Whole foods. I agree. Foods at the beginning, you know, um, like the, the smoothies, it's impossible to make it with some, without anything fructose-wise because kale has been hybridized with fructose to take the bitterness out and, and collards and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you've got most that. Of our food is now, I think, if you, if you know, the farming methods, well, that's why we're an organic, yeah. you know, the farming methodology, what you would have found in nature to eat on forage is so different to what you find in a farm now. It's completely different. Well, the nuts are interesting. Like, People they think like cashews are nuts or pecans are nuts. They're not nuts. They're droops. They're the fruit. They're the seeds of fruits. Okay. Yeah. Again, hybridized to take the bitterness out of the seed so that you could ingest them, right? And when you reduce it to a nut butter, now it even gets more. We have what we call borderline foods around here, and wow. our vegetarian friends can eat borderline foods because that's really the only way they're going to get their calories. But their grains. Fruits and fruit juices, uh, dairy, and uh, what's the last one? Nuts and nut butters. And so those four products, um, in the early days, a lot of people will use them to you know, help transition from you know, powdered sugar or whatever. Um, but eventually, like you say, the body uh, pays attention and says, man, every time I eat dairy, I get upset or I get, I get craving again or yeah. I... I bought a thing of pecans and I ate the whole bag. Hold right? on. It's, it's insatiable. It can't stop. Yeah. And, and that's because you're getting these little bits of fructose in each one. And then the, the whole bag is going to give you not quite a candy bar, not quite a cold, you know, a soda or anything, yeah. but it's going to give you just enough to kind of take the edge off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is that, uh, one of one of the amazing things about bringing experts together, we have you know experts from all different backgrounds, is that we all have one common theme, and this is I think we want people to understand that no matter what what side of the spectrum are you, plant based person, a vegan person, a raw food diet, you know it doesn't really matter, paleo, uh, keto, it doesn't matter. Every single one of those nutritional approaches says no refined. Sugar and the the less sugar we have, a zero to or get to that zero, the better. So absolutely, that's it's so exciting to to hear from you that actually the exactly my intuition, which is, you know, as you remove these substances from the body, the body will start to ask what it really needs. Yes, it's amazing. And and, and what do you find in terms of the challenges for the people on the thirty day? Uh, program. I mean, there's going. Is there a, a wall that people hit at a certain point? Because one of the reasons that kind of segues in a little bit to some of our sort of uh, ideology around our product, in that we see us as a bit of a stepping stone. Stepping stone. Because going from you know sugar consumption to no sugar is such a massive paradigm that we kind of thought, well, yeah, let's not take any of these you know, things away from people. But do the do people hit a bit of a wall in your in the Days. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we believe in, again, you know, transported over from drug and alcohol is harm reduction. Any amount is lessened. But what happens in the process is biodiverse. In other words, everybody's a little bit different in what happens. If you had a huge habit um, and you've never really experienced a, what we call a right sized body, it's like someone, you know, something that na nature or whatever. Um, and you were obese when you were young, it's going to be a lot of longer slog than someone who has some body memory, muscle memory of uh, a, a thin body or whatever. And it's not about the body because we have a couple Olympic athletes and ultra marathoners, a lot of ultra marathoners now is a little community growing. Um, and they could do anything with their bodies, but they couldn't get off the sugar mentally. They're, they were looking for the mental clarity. 
and the nutritional clarity to, to perform better, which they all have increased their performance. But the answer to your question really is that um, the transition, you know, as I was getting sober um, in Narcotics Anonymous stuff, if you were using Suboxone or Methadone to uh, help you bridge to get there, you know, from Oxy or whatever, from um, opioids, you were not considered not clean, not sober by using the oxys. And I grew up that way, and I believe that for many, many years. And so now today, you know, you can die with one ingestation with fentanyl, you know, one. And so you need to be alive to make the next, uh, you know, whatever. And so next step in your life. And so I do believe in these types of harm reduction methods is what you're describing, which is a step down or a bridge. We believe that anybody who says they're in recovery or says they want to quit sugar is in recovery, quitting sugar. That's fine. And whatever method they take. Now, my goal, my job is to make that shorter. And and one of the things that, and no offense to your product or anything, but- no, no, no. We have, we have to, you have to redo your taste buds from sweet. And so <laughs> as you step down from it, you know, carrots will taste sweet. Peppers will taste sweet. Macadamia nuts taste like candy. Your, your taste buds change in 10 days or less. And so want to move that if you're, especially if you're severely addicted, uh, because anything artificial is going to keep the cravings alive. Okay going to keep the cravings uh, coming. But that said, I've had every permutation iteration of how people went from where they are today to where they want to be, from cold turkey to, you know, everything in one day to a step down that took a year. It doesn't matter. Any amount of reduction, any amount of uh, process. And we've got coaches that kind of literally coach on each different process. I'm not here to make a judgment that no one's going from the standard American diet to my diet in overnight. It's just not going to happen. It's, there's too much going on in, in life and that nutrition. That's that's just not going to happen. Mine took, I was 25 years, no flour, no sugar, no caffeine. And I had a conversation with a woman who had been sober 50 years, no flour, no sugar, no grains, and so I gave up the grains and the fruits and the that, that, you know what I mean? So I have been evolving personally, and a lot of people are doing the same thing. So the answer to your question is, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get people where they're going, I'm in for. <laughs> I'm up for it. <laughs> Amazing. I, I think that's the thing that we see is that, uh, I mean, first of all, when you stop using sugar, you you can't, you know, any a short amount, or you say a week, or a few days, you go back. If you if you are to try one of those foods again, it they're just sickly sweet, too sweet. Yeah, exactly. Nothing is like eating syrup, pure syrups, too much. So it's a good thing, and I think that reduction, of, we call it the sweet, the the sweet volume goes down. So our we we are actually we think with with our product over time. People won't even need any sweet, anything sweetened because over time, your craving goes down and down. That's what I believe. Yeah. yeah. What we do see is that I think what I missed the most was was the family time where you've got people from that want to have a birthday cake, that want to have these things. So if we can we can create those foods in a less harmful way, that, that's where we stop. And like you said, a harm reduction uh, policy and uh, people of being able to still have celebrations with less harm without the crack cocaine in the cake. You know, let's see, let's, let's take that away from the children so that we can, uh, you know, improve, improve the health in incrementally. That's how we see ourselves very much in the harm reduction, you know, well spotted. So it's been so fascinating. Do you have any other questions, anything else you want right. to say to us and any, anything you want to leave our listeners and our uh, viewers with um, any Special nuggets of, of gold uh, that actually they can take today. What what would no, you like to the? You guys have been very kind that I can get that I got the entire message out. That uh, I would I would listen to it again because it takes it does it's not intuitively uh, a way uh, uh, apparent at the beginning. It's not intuitively like something that makes like it's just been so much 
so many years of diet industry BS, if you will, diet industry brainwashing that has changed how we're looking at this. You know, even if I don't want to get into it, but you know, that calories are a chemical response, not a you know unit of heat measurement. It's calories have been debunked, and that the process of sugar is a chemical one, not a not a, a unit of heat. So I think people got to understand that. But you know, as far as a nugget, look, um, any amount of sugar reduction is going to be helpful for you and your family. And if you can get there, whatever way you get there, you know, if one thing I did would want to leave it with people that we didn't that didn't discuss is that the research I was president of the Food Addiction Institute at one point, and we had people that have been doing this for you know, in anonymity essentially for two decades or longer, and we found out that. One third of people biochemically cannot ingest sugar without setting up massive cravings and having to have more. And then about a third of people are what we call harmful users because since the 1980s, the food system has been inundated with sugar. They just keep getting a couple pounds a year more and they can't figure it out. They live good lives. They eat good food. Uh, they exercise a lot, but they can't, they, the sugar, the, their body size keeps getting bigger. And then about a third of people are, we all hate, no, just kidding. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they're like normies, you know, that person that can have half a glass of wine or have, you know, that as opposed to the alcoholic cousin or whatever. And so bottom line is that, and these track really well with the obesity numbers, um, third overweight, a third obese, a third kind of normal size. Now, quick qualifier is that you don't have to be overweight you don't have to be overweight to be a serious sugar addiction like i said my ultra marathoners listen to this the ultra marathoners that will a couple of them carrying 20 extra pounds running 100 miles a week and then more on biking and swimming and like as soon as they quit the sugar the 20 pounds disappeared they couldn't get they couldn't run it off okay and so i think that's one of the key messages you're not going to exercise out of this bad diet it's never going to happen not not health or not for even if you appear to be of normal size, right? You're never going to exercise yourself out. And the main message is you can do this, okay? Regardless of your family, 85% of the people that come to us do not have their spouse's support, okay? No matter what you do, you can do this if you're willing. And I call it a scratch test. I will leave you with this. When you go to the allergist, is that you know you'll get a little scratch test for dust or ragweed or pollen um, to see if your it irritates you, right? Um, well, our scratch test is give me ninety days. I call it buy into Mikey's little fantasy for ninety days, no sugar, flour, and in our program, caffeine. I won't get into that right now, but no sugar, no flour for ninety days, and we will refund all your weight, all your brain fog, all your acne, all of these things. Almost 0% of people who make 90 days ever go back because of the changes they see in their own body, okay? And so give me 90 days. Give you, Take your own scratch test of 100%. Look, so many nuances keep coming up because you guys are kind listeners. <laughs> so many, like, I wasn't going to say that I, I had another addition to it, but I forgot it. Um, um, anyway... Please give yourself 90 days um, and see if you can't if you can't do this. Okay, it's very important. Um, and uh, it's a life-saving change. I think that's the thing that we see is that this just by doing this one thing for your health and nutrition for your health. This is a long-term investment to get rid of sugar over your diet. Is potentially going to say could save millions of lives and improve the health of millions of people. It's such yeah. an important step, but it's such a simple and profound thing to do. Just remove that one thing and the, the effect and the benefits are just lifelong. So it's such a pleasure to have you here. We are so, and, uh, and we hope that you'll come back again soon and, and we can, we can continue our conversation, uh, in one way or another. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Anytime. Bless you. Um, obviously, we'll, your, the link to your website will be uh, in, in uh, here for people. So you, what's his name of your new book? Tell us, tell us the name. Uh, of that. Here it is. The uh, oh, the fructose book. Yeah. yeah. 
the uh the uh that's a good question i know the second part the the uh um the death of uh oh toxic calories i'm sorry she's toxic calories toxic calories brilliant brilliant we're so happy to to post links so that people can get in touch with you and it's been such a pleasure and we hope to have you back and uh, continue our uh, joint and uh, you know uh, fight against this uh, horrible and pernicious, not even food group, but substance that has worked its way into every home uh, mm. in the world. So uh, we bless you and have you, and we hope to have you back soon. Thank you so so much. Thank you for having me. I, I keep up the good work. Keep spreading the message. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this sweet journey. Stay inspired and sugar free. Tune in for more Sweet Liberation Insights. Until next time, live sweetly and stay liberated.